Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. today we're finishing our series on Philippians chapter 4 and uh, the last part of the text that I'm preaching from this morning is actually Paul finishing the letter and uh, I've been looking forward to all the different chapters all the different parts of this and this one here I was thinking how do you preach about someone finishing a letter and I thought you've got to kind of dig a little bit into it and see what, what, what was written in this, in this passage. But we know that the Word of God is relevant to us today, right? It's relevant. It's relevant to our situations, relevant to our lives. And uh, the Word of God is, is intentional. God put it there for a purpose. And so I'm hoping that this morning the encouragement can come from uh, God's Word in this last bit of the letter to the Philippians. And I'm going to get straight into it. And read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 20 and 23. Uh, 22, 23. It says, Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give, me, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send, the, send you their greetings. And all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you for what you're wanting to say to us today. And I just pray that as um, we open up this text, that your spirit would speak and that you would show us Christ in this, that you would show us what you're wanting to say. And again, it wouldn't be about information. This would be about transformation us posturing our hearts in a place where your word can do the work in our lives to change us and transform us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever had a a situation in life where you did something and someone else took the credit for it? You, you, You did all the hard work or you did something and someone else got the credit for it? I think it was like year four or five. I did like this art project. Who's laughing? Are they? You don't think I can do art? <laughs> I did this art project and it was really good. It was like a really good art project, probably the best I've ever done. And um, they were announcing in the, in the classroom the, the winner of, or, the, or the award for the best project or the best art thing that was, was done. And um, they actually awarded Eric. I remember his name. It's probably traumatic, is it? I've... I've it's a trigger. Anyone named Eric here? I just got a word for you right now. Uh, and I, re- I remember his name. And, and they awarded Eric the prize for the best art thing. And I call it art thing because I'm not an artist. And uh, guess whose it was? Have a guess. It was mine. And Eric got the credit for it. Eric became a big shot. Eric was famous after this moment in year five for the art prize but Eric took the credit has there ever been anyone in your life that's kind of taken the credit for what you have done can I just uh, maybe suggest to us that uh, we can go through life as Christians and sometimes take a little bit of God's credit take a little bit of the glory that is his when, when, he, Paul, when Paul is finishing off this letter he says these words he says now all glory 
Everyone repeat that with me. All glory. All glory to God our Father. Oh, you didn't have to repeat that bit. All glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. All glory to God. All of the glory is God's. How much of the glory is His? All of the glory is His. Can we give, we're called to give Him glory, but I want you to know that we can't add glory to Him and we can't subtract glory from Him. All of the glory is God's. All glory to God. Glory is one of those words that that we say but possibly don't understand the concept behind or the meaning behind. Glory in the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, the word kabut, which, which meant the weightiness or, or the heaviness of something, the majesty or the splendor of something. And we also have this word shekinah, glory. We, we, we understand from a, a Hebrew word, uh, shekinah, which means the dwelling place or the, or the appearance of or the presence of. And in the Old Testament, we see the kabut glory. We see where God is given uh, his rightful place. And we understand and we recognize the, the glory of God, the weightiness, the heaviness, the, the majesty, the splendor of this God. And we come to this place of acknowledging that He is above all, that He is glorious in all of His ways. And then we, we, we hear of the, the manifest presence of God. If you look through the Old Testament where, where we see the glory of God proclaimed, there's often a manifestation of His glory. There is, there is something that takes place. There, there is this experience of His glory. The glory. It's not just the word that we say as Christians. It's something that is an attribute of His. It's part of His nature. He is glorious above all he is glorious above all and paul says to the church now all glory to the father this is not him just finishing an email with like kind regards paul he's not just kind of putting together some sort of little salutation he he's actually saying that with all of what's been written with all of what's taking place with everything that's happening all glory to god all of the glory is his all of the glory is His. Now there's a few things that, that we can consider when we come to this, this thought of glory as Christians. And uh, I've got three little things here for us as, as glory when it comes to the glory of God. We're, we're called to be deflectors of the glory. And what do I mean by that? Uh, not so much taking the credit or the praise of man as it would be, but... but deflecting and giving the glory to God. There's, a, there's something that takes place in uh, Acts chapter 14 where Paul and Barnabas were, were uh, in Lystra and they come across a man who has not walked in his whole life. And it says in verse 10, Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man's feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. That's quite an interesting thing, right? They see this guy who's healed. They obviously see the power of God at work and then they try and figure it out in their own rationale. Well, that must be Zeus and and Hermes. They're, They're the gods. 
They see this great power at work, and then they try and explain it. They just, yeah, and now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowds bought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. So this, like, it escalated quick. They see this healing. They see that they think that they're Zeus and Hermes. And then they, the, the priest actually goes and starts to prepare offerings, bulls, get some of the good stuff so that we can offer it to these, these gods in human form. And then it says, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay. And they ran out amongst the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. They didn't receive glory for what took place. They didn't want to take on the sacrifices or the worship of anyone else because of what God had did. They pointed these people to the one true living God. Now, maybe in other situations, people might have been like, wow, this feels pretty good. They're going to sacrifice a bull. You know what a bull is? Yeah, that's a pretty good sacrifice. And they're going to sacrifice it to me. And I don't know, maybe sometimes you know, we kind of get enamored with the, the concept of people giving us praise. Or you know, giving us the, the, a bit of the glory. But Paul and Barnabas are real quick. They're like, no, it wasn't us. We didn't work the power. The power came from him. And we're here to just tell you about him. We're here to tell you the good news. We want you to turn away from these things that are not life-giving. And we want you to turn to the one who gives life, Jesus. He is the one who healed this man. We are just conduits. We are just people that we're just acting in obedience to what he says, to his word. By his power, they were healed. Glory to him. They, they kind of didn't take it on. They, they deflected. They pushed it back to God. 1 Thessalonians 2.6. This is Paul speaking again. And he says, Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Again, he makes it clear to them. We weren't trying to get your praise. We weren't working hard so that you would just give us glory. We, we didn't do this so that we could get a name for ourselves. Even though God had given us the mantle of apostle, and we probably could have used that kind of to, to explain some things, we didn't do this to get glory. This is for Him. And again, they, they, shine, they, they point the glory back to God. To be deflectors. Give glory to Him. I heard a pastor once tell a story of how um, yeah, after, the, after the sermon, People come up to him, or this guy came up to him and said, Man, Pastor, that was such a good word. That was such a powerful word. This isn't me saying this, obviously. But he, that was such a powerful word. And he said, Here, yeah, brother, all God. That was all God. And the guy says, Well, it wasn't that good. So we, we, we understand that, that, that there is our element of humanity here, and God doesn't want us to just be, you know, plebs, he, he, he actually invites us into this place of helping to not just deflect his glory, but to reflect his glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, in fact, the first glory was not glorious 
at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, which it was, how much more glorious is the new way which remains forever? How much more glorious is the new way which remains forever? He then goes on in verse 16 to say, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect. Everyone say reflect. Reflect the glory of the Lord. And the, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So what does that say to us? We don't just deflect the glory. That's part of it. We, we point people to Jesus, that, that He is the one that is to be glorified. But our lives are actually on this earth to reflect His glory into this world. That, as, as Paul was saying there, as we look to Him, and we behold Him, and we understand, we start to see His glory. It's like a reflection that then bounces into the world. You're on this earth for His glory. You, you exist for His glory. You exist to reflect His glory into this world. He desires to show people in this world who He is through you. Again, we can boast in Him for that, because that would not be my plan. I, I, I don't know that I would want to, you know, I, I, if I was a perfect God, to, to, to choose imperfect people to reflect this glory into the world. But he has chosen it. And so his choice, his sovereign choice, is glorious. It's the best way. But we've been called to reflect his glory into this world. In order to do that, we've got to come, we, I think we've got to you know, be in relationship with him and, and experience his glory. Allow his glory to shape you. And as it says there, that we are being transformed, becoming more and more like his glorious image. The more that he works in our hearts, the better we reflect him. The more that he heals those areas. You know, those things that we like to hold on to. I don't know if you've got those sins that you like to hold on to. Hey, the pastor's saying this. You, you know what I mean? Like pride or arrogance or uh, maybe it's some things that you, that, that, that you, you just don't, aren't ready to let go of or you've been wanting to let go of. You just don't know how to. When we offer those things to him and he does a work in our hearts, he can change us. And those things that would almost repel people can become things that can draw people to him. When they see the goodness of God in our lives, then it, it opens up. It shows them that He is actually a good God. Did you know that? And I think I said this a while back. We, we often put on the pedestal the gifts of God. We, 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 we put on the platform or on the stage the gift of God. And people aspire to the gifts of God. But we're told in Corinthians that the gifts of God are distributed by His sovereign choice. So we don't get to say, oh, I want to be a pastor. I want to be, you know, you don't get to kind of just come up and say that. And, and you know, that's my choice. I want the evangelist gift or I want that gift or I want this. God distributes in His sovereignty as He wills. And our acknowledgement of that and walking in that is obedience to Him and honoring Him. 
But this can happen. We, we see someone give a prophetic word and, and then everyone wants to be a prophet. Because we aspire to the mantle or we, we, like, the, we like to see the, the, we see the operation of the power or, the, or we see the healing take place and then that becomes something. But what about the fruit of God? What about the fruit of goodness or patience or self, self-control? When was the last time you looked at someone and said, man, that person is so self-controlled? Not because of their will, but because of the work of the Spirit in them. And you were like, man, that's a, that's, a, that's a fruit of Jesus. That's a fruit of God in their lives. I want that. Can I say that maybe we need to elevate those things, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the, the gentleness or the kindness, those things that maybe get left off stage, but actually reflect His image and His glory to people in a good way. So deflecting, deflectors, reflectors, and projectors kind of made that word because it it worked but let me tell you what that means first corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 they're talking about matters of conscience and and food and and drinking and he says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of god do it all for the glory of god what does that mean When you go to work, do it for the glory of God. When you walk on the street, do it for the glory of God. When you have a conversation, do it for the glory of God. Projecting, we are here to glorify God. We are here to give Him glory, for Him to be glorified in our lives. Tozer said this, The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The reason that we exist is to give God glory. That people would see your life, would, would see the way you do your life, the way you, 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 know, you go through life, you work, everything. And they would be like, that's, that's glory to God. He is glorified in us. So in everything, do it all for the glory of God. We're also called to, to give Him glory. The Bible tells us to give Him glory. Now, that, that phrase is kind of uh, peculiar in, in, in a sense that how do you give one who is fully glorious glory? You, like I said before, we can't add to His glory. He's not there accumulating glory. He's not there like as we worship on a Sunday, He's like, yep, give me a bit more glory. Yep, adding up, adding up until it's going to get to a, an unlimited level. He, he, he's already glorified. He is already glorious. This is about us reflecting and, and, and acknowledging that He is glorious and us giving Him glory is proclaiming that He is glorious. The, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Next, when you go home tonight, you go outside, have a look at the stars. You know those stars declare His glory. They tell us of a glorious God. I was with uh, a bunch of year 10 students at Ellenbrook Christian College uh, a couple of months ago. And we were talking about one of the things was the essentials of Christianity that I was talking to them about. And uh, I talked to them about creation. And how I believe that creation is, is important to the fundamental Christian understanding. And as a generation, our schools, our education system, our science has kind of tried to take us away from this understanding that God created you. Now, the, the byproduct of that is if, if you don't know that you were created by a God with intention, on purpose, for purpose, then your life loses purpose. 
They actually have done studies in, I think it's in Japan, where it's taught like a fatalistic kind of uh, belief system that life is just what it is and there's no kind of purpose to it, that suicide rates are so high. And the link that I see in that is that if we aren't created by a God who, who loves us, has created us, then what is the meaning of life? You get to make it up or lose the lack of and, and there is no hope and there is no purpose and we're just kind of going through life as rocks that have evolved or little germs. But the heavens declare that there is a God. There is a God. As I said to the students, I was like, this phone, if I just told you that I was walking down the street and I saw two rocks underneath a bush and they were glowing and they started to, to move and shake and then they banged and a phone came out, you would think, this guy's crazy. But some rocks banged together you came out. That makes sense. Let's teach that. Hello, there's more intention and design in you than there is in a mobile phone. There is so much more intricacy in you than there is in a, a, a mobile phone. And I said to him, I didn't even start off with the, the, the Galaxy S10. The first time the rocks cracked... It was one of those real old galaxies. And then every year I woke up and it was a new phone. It kept evolving. It changed form. And then it became an Apple iPhone once. And then it changed back to a Samsung. He created us. The heavens proclaim his glory. Will our lives proclaim his glory? Give glory to the Lord. It's about His glory. We're, we're here for His glory. The second thing that we see in this passage, He says, Now all glory to God the Father forever and ever. Amen. And then He says, Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. All the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. He gives greetings to people. Again, this is not just the tagline of an email that Paul is writing to the Philippians to say, kind regards, Paul. This is actually him saying, please pass on my greetings to the people. Please pass on my, my care and my concern for the Philippian church. Pass on all, the, all the, the greetings from all of us here, all of the brothers who are imprisoned, who are in Rome, who are now in chains. Pass on our greetings to the church. Do you know that you are not called to be part of just an organization? You're not just called to be part of an institution. This is the family of God. Again, we boast in that. We couldn't do this. We couldn't bring this many different people together under one banner. But he can. And we've been called his family. And Paul writes to these churches not just to address issues or, or to... Uh, point out some problems, but he writes to them as a loving person, as a friend, as a father, as a, as a, a brother, who's saying to them, giving them instruction, helping them with their walk, giving them encouragement. And then he says, greetings to you. 
greetings to you. I kind of ask, how are we going as a church with being a, a, a people that love one another well? You know, there's only so much community you can do sitting in a row on a Sunday. There's only so much community that you can do in a one and a half hour window, or if I preach longer, one and forty-five minute, one hour and forty-five minute window on a Sunday. There's only so much that we can do. I'm not saying that this is not right. This is an important part of our our worship, but community, fellowship, relationship. It goes beyond just the meeting. We can't just calendarize Christianity. It's not just about calendarizing relationship. Like we come to this event as a church and we we go to this event as a church and that's my community. And we go to this event and we go to this one on the calendar. And then we've got the, you know, the Christmas family service. And then we've got the Boxing Day service. And then we'll see you at this service and that. It's about actually doing life with people. Being in relationship with people. Getting to know people. Allowing people to know you. And you can't know everyone very well. That's, 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 you know, that's fair. But you can know some people well. Plug into community. Do relationship. Catch the essence of this. He's, he's not just saying, hey, here's some instruction. Take this and do whatever you want. He's like, I love you. I love you people. I love you Philippians. Greetings from us. Do relationship. Also, I was thinking at the start of the year, uh, you know, we see so many newer people come into our church family, which is awesome. That is so good. But I've had times where people have said to me, like, I just kind of feel like no one sees me. Like, I, I kind of sit there or stand there after the service and no one says hello or uh, you know, not really acknowledged. Hey, can I just say to us, if this is your home church, guess what? You've just been appointed to the welcome team. Congratulations. Everyone give everyone a hand. Welcome. Just turn around and say welcome to the welcome team. Well done. If you don't know the person next to you, I'm testing who's actually talkative right now because you will be on the welcome team. No, we want to be a church that welcomes people well. And not just because we want more people in our church, but because they matter to God. What happens if someone comes into, into those doors for the first time and they don't get, they don't feel like they're seen. What if they? You know how much courage it actually takes to to step out sometimes and to go to a new place and to 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 make yourself vulnerable to connect in, in God's community. And if they're not acknowledged or they don't get seen, then they go away. Then maybe find somewhere else, and, and that's cool. But what if God is sending them to be part of this family? Let's work on our welcome. Be welcoming people. And again, not just because we want to add more people to our number or our church, but because we want to honor people. We want to honor the person who comes, you know, who, who's searching for God. We have people come in off the street. We've had people come in from hearing the, the worship at the laundromat, heard the songs and came in. They're looking for something. Let's show them Jesus. He gives them the greetings. And then he says... And I love this. Oh, I love this. Hopefully you'll love this too. He says in verse 23, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.
grace. The grace of God. The grace of God that we see in Jesus. This radical grace. Glory is a word that we might get familiar with. Here's a word that we might get over familiar with. Grace. Ephesians 2, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8 says, God saved you by His grace. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. He has saved us by grace. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. And yet by grace you have been saved. By His sovereign grace you have been saved. Grace has a couple of elements to it. One element is this undeserved favor, this this gracious gift. When Paul talks about being saved by grace, he's talking about this undeserved gift. Now, there is a difference between mercy and grace, and we experience both of them. Mercy is God withholding what is actually due to us, not giving us what we should have got, which was the penalty for sin. Mercy is... He withheld that. Mercy, He didn't give us what we actually deserved. So yes, we have received mercy. And I'm so thankful for His mercy because without His mercy, we'd be in big trouble. We would be in big trouble. Mercy is Him withholding what we actually deserve, but grace is what we don't deserve. He does not deserve And we could not buy, and we could not earn, and we could not work our way into. It is by His grace that we have been saved. You have been saved by grace. How good is that? That's the good news. That is the good news. You couldn't do it. None of us could. And yet He chose to give you this grace. He chose to extend this incredible grace to you. What will you do with the grace? Will you celebrate him with the grace? Will you worship him with the grace? I remember that you know Moses confronting Pharaoh and saying, Let my people go so that they may worship me. You have been set free by grace so that you can worship this glorious God. Let that grace release you to worship him. Let, it, let your life glorify him. He has chosen you. He has chosen you. That is grace. He didn't need to. He he could have just gone through his eternal life and just been eternally happy. But he chose us. He chose you. And by grace, he has saved you. But there's another element to grace. There's this undeserved favor. But there's also this empowering that takes place with grace. And, And Paul writes about this earlier in Philippians 1. He says... Uh, sorry, Philippians 2. No. Philippians 2.13. Where he says, It is him who both works in you to will and do. Is it up there? 
For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Here is another explanation of grace. It is God that works in you to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God working in you to give you the desire or the will and the power to do what pleases Him. That is grace. That is grace at work in your life. Because sometimes there's desires in our hearts that aren't godly. And there's desires in our hearts that are at war with what Paul writes about this too. I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. There's kind of this internal battle at times. And here comes grace to say that He, it's Him, it's God that will do the work in you to change your heart and your desires and then give you the power to do what it is that He's called you to do. This grace is incredible. And you know what? This grace tells me that anything can change. Anything. If we will lean into Him. If we will allow His grace to do the heavy lifting in our lives. I keep coming back to that thought. Like You can try and work it all out as hard as you want. You can try and build up the muscles, the Christian muscles, and try and walk through this life and carry everything yourself. Or you can let His grace do the heavy lifting. It's so much better. It's such a better life to let His grace do the heavy lifting, to let His grace do the work in you and through you for His good pleasure, for what pleases Him. Man, I want to be a, 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 a graceaholic. I want to be a gracist. I just want grace to define me. I want to be filled with grace. When people see and talk, that, there's grace on that. There's grace that's making that happen. There's grace in that heart. There's grace that they understand that they haven't done this themselves. There is grace all over this. We're called grace life. Hey, what a great idea. Let's live a grace life. Not just by name, but by nature. John Ford. I'm, cl- I'm not claiming his little passage there. But we're called to be grace. And, and, and if anyone knew this, right, think about this. If anyone knew what it meant to live a life of grace, Paul is a good example. I don't know if you've ever fallen into this. I've done this where I've kind of elevated Paul to super, superhuman status. Where he is infallible. Because of what he wrote, guess what? He was just a human. He had struggles too. There would have been times when he was praying and asking God to change stuff in his heart. He was not superhuman. God moved powerfully through him. What was key to his life was he understood the grace of God. He understood, he comprehended, he grasped firmly the grace of God. You think about what he went through. You think about what he did. When he talks in Philippians 3 about leaving the past behind and pressing forward, I, you, you know, he was, he was there when Stephen was martyred. You know, you know he, he saw Christians being killed. He ordered, he was part of the team that was authorizing the con- condemnation and, and the, the eradication of the Christian church. I wonder if he ever felt, man, what I did, how could God forgive me? And now I'm part of the family. You know when Paul, when they first went to see Paul, or Paul first came to see the apostles, there was hesitation. 
hang on a second, this is Saul. This is, this is the one that has persecuted us. This is the one that, that, that's condemned us and killed us. Do you think he ever had to deal with, man, what have, what have I lived through? What did I do to people? When he come face to face with the families of the people that he's persecuted and killed, I mean, and now he's teaching them and talking to them, he would have had to deal with stuff. And how did he do that? By understanding the grace of God. By firmly holding on to the grace of God. Now when he writes this, he's not just saying some empty words. He's saying, may grace, the grace of God, be with you. I want to remind you again of the power of your words. The power of the blessing that we speak over people. The power of the things that we say to people. The power of things that we say about people. May the grace of God be with you. It's not a throwaway line. I think it's his desire that they would have grace. In the, in the end of uh, 2 Corinthians, he says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. At the end of 1 Corinthians, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. At the end of Galatians 6.18, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And in Ephesians 6, he finishes like this. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may the God, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we just finish with that song, please, Kyle? We jump up. I, I wonder if I can just pray this over us today. That the grace of God would go with us. That the grace of God would be with our spirit. Kyle's just going to sing a song uh, that hopefully will help us to just focus upon the glory of God. But I wonder if we could just maybe close our eyes and bow our heads, assume your prayer posture. Just prepare your heart. Let me pray these things for us and then uh, just sit and maybe reflect as he, as he ministers this song. And if, if you catch on to the words, you can join in and sing. I want to read those words again, but I want to pray them over you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God, we pray these things over this church. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray these words today and we receive them in our hearts. We want your grace to be with us always we want your grace to be with us all of our days and god we pray that in that place where we find your grace that we would give you glory that you would be lifted up above everything else above every other name that the name of jesus would be exalted may the grace of god go with us as we leave this place today in jesus name amen 
We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.